Well, hello, faithful listeners. It's been a couple weeks, but Ben and I are excited to be back here once again. Uh, Ben's still a little bit on the uh, the recovery uh, list. He's he's doing better than he was, but still a little bit of a cough here and there. Uh, and Ben and I were away on some family vacations and enjoying some of this nice weather that we we have here. This short season here in Canada of some nice weather, so we've been enjoying that. But we're excited to be back here today. Uh, getting you guys ready for week nine of the CFL season. Um, what some of the best bets and uh, some of the best lineup ideas that we have for you guys. So so here we are. So so Ben, tonight, how are you feeling? How's how's the cough treating you? Well, like I'll, I'll say this much. I am not going to die of COVID. I am going to recover. This is going to be fine. But I will also tell you, the next person who tries to tell me it's just a basic cold... I am punching square in the throat so they can cough and wheeze like <laughs> I have for the last three weeks because, yeah, this has been ridiculous. I, I'm feeling much better, but yep. this has taken its sweet, sweet time trying to get better 1% at a time each day. So I'm here. If I cough in your yeah. ear, I apologize, but, like, I'm doing what I can. Yeah, you and the the whole riders there a couple of weeks ago, you and... Cody Vajaro, I guess you guys were hanging out too much sharing the COVID. Yeah, well, now Calgary has their turn, right? It's, it's Strangely enough, Western Canada, if you live here, you've probably got COVID. And if you don't got COVID, well, <laughs> yeah. wait till next week, because that's probably the next week of your summer vacation at this point. It's pretty rampant out here yeah. right now. So, yeah, it's not shocking at all that it's Calgary, Saskatchewan, and Edmonton have been the three teams that have had the most trouble with it over the last season and a half. Yeah, and I guess I, on a on on the football betting note, that's one thing for our listeners again to keep an eye on those injury reports on those beat writers on Twitter, uh, because you never know when when something like this is going to pop up, and uh, the the guys that are the most successful are the ones that are capitalized on that kind of stuff as soon as they can. So uh, that's the joy of sports; it's the the best reality TV because it is reality. So lots of fun that way. Um, Unless well, you're the Miami Dolphins, right? <laughs> oh my Unless, gosh. <laughs> <laughs> Unless you're throwing games like the Miami Dolphins. But nobody in, nobody in the CFL is that bad. Ottawa's that bad for real. Oh, yeah. They don't have to try. Can you imagine? <laughs> yeah. They don't even have the money to pay their coaches to throw games if they wanted to. They don't have to. They just lose <laughs> games automatically. But I digress. We can offer... We offer you a Tim's card if you for every game you lose kind of thing. So, oh yeah, it's crazy. But here we are, week nine. We're um, is this the halfway mark of the season? We must be getting pretty close to the halfway. Uh, we're not quite uh, there yet because each team gets eighteen games and three bye weeks. We got twenty one weeks in the regular season, so we're just past the third right, way, so which would have been the end of week seven. Okay, yeah. So we're kind of we're creeping up there for sure. I guess Labor Day weekend is kind of the uh, the halfway or unofficial halfway point of the season, so uh, we're getting closer to there. But we got a four game slate this weekend. We got uh, Thursday night the Winnipeg in Montreal. Friday we got the Stamps uh, against the Ottawa Red Blacks, and then Saturday uh, doubleheader Hamilton in Toronto, and then the Elks uh, just hopping over one province to face the Lions. So, um. 
week nine. Well, I guess before we get too far into today's show, I guess we should remind our uh, great listeners about Prize Picks. Um, it's been a lot of fun over there. I hope everyone's been enjoying their time and hopefully winning a little bit of money. But for those listeners that aren't familiar with Prize Picks, Ben, can you please remind them? I'll remind even our crummy and undistinguished listeners as well, as well as the good listeners. <laughs> Prize Picks is a yeah, site yeah. that makes fantasy sports simple. You just pick over-unders on two to five players on individual stats or fantasy scores for more sports than you can count and win cash. Right now, if you sign up with promo code BENYAMIN, that's B-E-N-Y-A-M-E-N, you can get a 100% bonus deposit on your first deposit and help support the show. That's Prize Picks. Daily fantasy made easy. So getting ready for this weekend is, you know, as we start off by taking a look at the prize picks uh, value there, is Nathan Rourke kind of still the uh, the darling of this CFL season? Um, unless you're from Calgary. And then uh, Danny, Danny, he thinks that Bo Levi Mitchell is the MVP of the CFL because like that's Danny Austin for you. I don't think there's a bigger homer in the CFL media, is there? Like maybe Marshall <laughs> nope, Ferguson and uh, his love for Dane Evans, but like those two, if you can find somebody that'll love you like Danny loves Bone <laughs> Levi Nichols, like hold on to them and never let go because yeah, it's special. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, Nathan Rourke is the guy. In the projections, he projects just about 30% higher than any other quarterback on the slate. His rates are historic mm-hmm. and ridiculous, and Prize Picks has his yardage line at 275.5 passing yards, which he has surpassed in all but one career start in the CFL. So Nathan Rourke over 275.5 pass yards, versus Edmonton, who he lit up for over 40 DK points in week one, I think is a fairly safe bet. Um, Moving on to some Mm -hmm. of the other positions, you got a wide receiver, Malik Henry, 52 and a half yards. He has been over that in each of his last four games. So there's the over there. Stephen Dunbar Jr., over 48 and a half receiving yards. He's been over 48 and a half in every single game this season. Those three on the yardage side mm. of things are my favorites that I've got so far. On a fantasy point side of things, you can go the Rourke fantasy point side at over 23 and a half fantasy points. He projects over 33 at this point. And like we said, he was well over 40 in week one. So even if he does 50% of what he did in week one, you're still going to hit the over on 23 and a half. Dalton Schoen at over 13 and a half fantasy points. He projects over 17 and has been over 13 and a half in all but one game this season. And then Zach Kalaros at 15 and a half. Go over there. He projects over 20 and has been over 15 and a half in three of his last four games. It's hard to believe we're going for Kalaros given the fact that any given week, he might have zero touchdowns despite completing 30 passes because they run in the ball with their backup quarterback, but that's the nature of CFL football. Even without touchdowns, I think Kalaros over 15 and a half versus Montreal is a pretty safe bet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely some good value there uh, for sure on prize picks. So to our listeners, make sure you use that code Benyamin, B-E-N-Y-A-M-E-N. Get a 100% bonus on your first deposit. That helps us out the show. And um, yeah, and definitely there is some opportunity to win some of that money. So head on over to Prize Picks. Um, what about um, 
the bets this week. I guess kind of going over real quick. I guess the we're recording the show Wednesday night, kind of where the lines are at. Winnipeg's a five and a half point favorite uh, with a forty seven point five over under. Uh, Calgary's the the favorite in Ottawa at minus five uh, with forty nine point five over under. Uh, Toronto is the slight favorite at home minus two uh, with a uh, the the lowest over under of just forty five. Uh, and then BC is favorited at home, uh, minus 10 against Edmonton, uh, with the highest over-under of, of 51.5. Um, I, looking at it, to me, the one I like right away is, you know, even though BC's minus 10, I still think BC is going to win by at least two touchdowns uh, at home against Edmonton. Uh, they can put up some big numbers. Uh, Edmonton obviously has not looked great this season, so... Um, yeah, definitely uh, against the spread against uh, the for the Lions, I think is there's some some opportunity to win there. Um, ben, is there any bets there that you're that is appealing to you this week? Mostly, I'm just thankful that Saskatchewan is not playing this week because they have <laughs> they have done nothing but cause me pain. I, I won't I won't belabor oh. last week for too long, but. Jamal Morrow had 43 yards rushing in the first half last week. His over-under on prize picks was 50 and a half. His over-under <laughs> on all the books was about 52 to 55 rush yards. Do you know where he finished? 48 rush yards. Yeah, oh. five, five rush yards in the second half. He cost me seven different tickets on prize picks last week. I went from assuming at halftime I was a lock for my best week of the year, and instead he ran twice for five yards in the entire second half versus BC and came up two yards short of what we needed. So yeah, like, thanks a lot, Saskatchewan. Enjoy the week off because I'm just glad you're not playing. Um, as for the teams that are paying, yeah, the, uh, the Edmonton Elks, still not good at football, right? Still not good <laughs> Breaking at news. football. Yeah, don't, don't let the, uh, <laughs> don't let the recency bias fool you. Edmonton, still not good at football. So yeah, anytime that you're taking 10 points in a professional football game, that's always tough to swallow, but reminder, Edmonton, maybe not a professional football team. So don't feel <laughs> as bad about the 10 points, I think. I think BC minus 10 is probably a pretty safe bet. I think over 51 and a half isn't even that crazy, given that BC is no. quite capable of 40 points on offense on their own. Um, given yeah. the turnover proclivities of Taylor Cornelius at quarterback, assuming that's where Edmonton goes, he averaged a couple interceptions a game in the last season before he got into this year. He ran 15 times last week versus Winnipeg. 15 times for the quarterback. <laughs> that was ridiculous. I don't see that happening again in his career. So yeah, yeah I, would, I would assume that probably the interceptions will come up as the rushing attempts go back down to normal. So yeah, BC minus 10 over 51 and a half, I think are pretty safe. I like Hamilton plus mm -hmm. two as well. Toronto, like Edmonton, also not good at football. Um, not good. 
I am looking at that under nine and a half wins ticket that I purchased in the off season for Toronto. And every week it looks just that much better because yeah, Toronto, not good at football. I don't know if you watched the game versus Ottawa, but Toronto scored 13 points versus Ottawa. That is embarrassing. <laughs> like thoroughly embarrassing. That's unreal, oh, yeah. right? Like this is an Ottawa defense that's giving up over 10 yards a pass and over six yards a carry. And Toronto scored 13 points. So Hamilton's defense has been kind of a fantasy disappointment, but as a real-world defense, they're pretty good. So I think Hamilton plus two, also a very safe bet. Um, I like the favorites through the rest. Calgary minus five, Winnipeg minus five and a half. I'd be quite comfortable taking the points in both of those games. Caleb Evans has kind of played well over his head, and he certainly looks better than what he did in 2021. But Calgary is a pretty good football team. Ottawa, they've still got one win versus an East team. And the East, again, not good at football. So I think (laughs) Calgary minus five, Winnipeg minus five and a half, both are scores that I'm pretty happy taking across those four games this week. And it's crazy that like the Argonauts are not good and they're leading the East division. With yeah. a three and three record, they're leading the East Division. They would be, you know, the top of the East if the playoffs were to start tonight. It is amazing how Hamilton has managed to fumble away this division, right? Like at every <laughs> totally. other position that they have got on that team, whether it's on defense or receiver or running back, any of these, they are clearly the best team in the East. But between yeah. the clown show of Dane Evans and Matt Schiltz, they have managed to completely discombobulate that football team that deserves so much better than what their offense has been able to put together from the quarterback position for them. Like if Mazzoli was still in Hamilton, they might be undefeated at this point. And that's not even a crazy thing to say. So yeah, Hamilton plus two this week certainly is a pretty easy call for me. And uh, I think probably Hamilton gets better as the season goes on. It's just a funny thing for fantasy that they've kind of got a 60-40 split at the quarterback position right now between Dane Evans and Matt Schiltz. And when uh, when Matt Schiltz is the savior of your offense and what you're relying on to create a spark for you, that's telling of what you're expecting from your franchise quarterback and Dane Evans. So... Yeah, it's uh, it, it's a funny year in that sense. Poor East, poor West, poor CFL. Hopefully, the playoffs are better. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Totally, total off our um, uh, rabbit trail here. I was just, I'm just looking at the standings for this season. Um, I'm here in Edmonton, and the Elks have not won a home game at all this season and all of last season. They have not won a home game. Oh mm-hmm. my gosh that it's and i feel bad because like like because victor uh chua the president is a great guy he's doing some great he, stuff with the team great and it's just oh gotta get that product on the field there really isn't a more likable guy in the cfl at this point there really isn't like uh, yeah. victor is absolutely fantastic i think if any team if every team had a guy like him running the show the numbers yeah. for the league as far as TV ratings, interactions, everything it would be fantastic. He's about as good as you could possibly hope for as a team president. It's just a matter of totally. finally getting some wins together on the field for them because yeah, yeah. it's a, uh, <laughs> it's a real shame. 
Yeah. Oh, it's so oh in ten in the in the last season and a half. So at home. I'm Come just on, trying Elks. to find it. the uh, the Elks schedule here. I am. I'm just looking through. We're at week nine now, right at BC. Yeah. So looking through the Elks' rest of their home games this year, they have Saskatchewan at Edmonton, August thirteenth. Yeah. Is that a win? I think Saskatchewan probably still takes that. Ottawa is at Edmonton. Ottawa at Edmonton might be be the big one. August 27th, week before Labor Day. That's a shot. I think Ottawa is a real chance. Calgary at Edmonton on September 10th. I don't like their chances. Uh, Montreal at Edmonton on October 1st. Montreal has to travel all the way across the country. You get Trevor Harris Revenge Week, assuming anybody is still alive. Um, <laughs> yeah. I think maybe Edmonton's got a shot versus Montreal there October 1st yeah, as a home win. Uh, Toronto is there on October yeah, 15th. October. That could be a win. Yeah. And then they get yeah. BC at Edmonton to close out with a blowout and uh, <laughs> send the fans home happy. <laughs> that's that's a real shameful way to have to end the season on October twenty first. But uh, hey, that's so we're thinking what so two, two, or two or three, three home two wins potentially. You've got Montreal, you've got Ottawa, and you've got Toronto, all in Edmonton yeah. yet to come this season. I think Elks fans, you should get at least one home win, or you riot at this point. One home <laughs> win, or you riot. Vancouver yeah. can do it. Why not Edmonton? Right? Yeah. So. Come on, Edmonton. We're better than Vancouver. Yeah, our housing's more reasonable. All right. Well, let's jump into uh, let's let's carry on. Uh, let's jump into DraftKings. Let's start building some lineups and, and start talking about that. Uh, you know, kind of uh, segueing from the the betting lines, some of the implied team totals. Um, of course, Ottawa has the lowest implied team total at only twenty point seven five. Uh, and then kind of going up from there, you got Montreal at 21, Hamilton 21 and a half, uh, Ottawa 21 and a quarter, Toronto 23 and a half, Winnipeg 26 and a half, Calgary the second highest at 27 and a quarter, and then no surprise, the implied team total has BC at the highest at almost 31, 30.75. So um, weather-wise too this weekend, other than it's looking like a uh, chance of thunderstorms in Montreal, other than that, I think... So far, the forecast uh, looks pretty clear and calm and warm uh, for the other three games, but it is Canada. Who knows what can happen? Weather can change pretty quick around here, So, but that's what we know for now. So based on all of that kind of stuff, Ben, how are you um, starting building your lineups at the quarterback position? Yeah, it's kind of a tricky week just because salaries have started to get so high on all these BC players. So Rourke, mm. clearly the top projected quarterback, over 33 points this week. Second is Caleb Evans at 22 points, and Kalaros in third at 20. So it's significant drop there when you're looking from 33 to 22 points projection-wise, a 33% mm-hmm. drop. So it's worth noting, especially that he is priced accordingly at 12500 when the next quarterback is $3,000 lower at 9600 with Caleb Evans. That's a pretty steep drop. So Edmonton allows the second most yards per pass attempt at 9.78 and the most TDs per pass attempt. Rook put up 43 DraftKings points in week one, so there's really not much 
to not like about this. Everything points to another fantastic game for him from what he has mm-hmm. produced, from what Edmonton has allowed, the chances that Burnham returns to the lineup this week. Everything looks great for work. It's just a matter of whether you're willing to pay that extra 25% higher in salary over the other, other quarterback on the slate. So if you're fading the Rourke route based on salary, Caleb Evans comes in at 9,600 versus Calgary. It's clearly a tougher matchup than Edmonton, but his rushing passing upside has been pretty immense over the last month. And Kolaros then is at 9,800 versus Montreal. And there is also with considering those are probably the only three quarterbacks in my player pool this week. And Evans and Kolaros will only be a tiny snippet of what I'm going to be playing with. Evans doesn't really yeah. look good at this point, but he certainly looks a mm. lot more settled than he did in 2021. And he gets all the rushing red zone touchdowns for Edmonton, which is something you cannot say for Kolaros. Calgary is the yeah. best defense special teams that Evans has faced so far probably but they're still kind of a middling unit as far as yards per pass attempt and TDs allowed per pass attempt as well so it's not a terrible matchup for Evans but it's going to be interesting to see what he can do versus a western team. Kolaros on the other hand always has the potential to pass for 350-400 yards and no touchdowns while Prukop (laughs) runs in four touchdowns from the one yard line because well that's the way that they play football in Winnipeg. They win championships and hate <laughs> fantasy. It's the way it works. Uh, Montreal is an above average pass defense, though, so it's not really a matchup to exploit. It's just a matter of, well, every other quarterback on the slate sucks. So that's kind yeah. of what you've got for options. There are certainly those out there who are on the Bo Levi Nichols train this week. He's 9,300 and facing Ottawa, which is clearly the worst defense in the league. Your issue is going to be, well, he's Bo Levi Nichols, and he is going to Bo Nichols you into death. He's been (laughs) single-digit fantasy points each of the last two games versus Winnipeg, which is definitely a tougher matchup, but his ceiling at this point has been 22 points this year, and he hasn't had over 22 fantasy points since, oh, 2018. So I think thinking his ceiling could be two and a half X maybe isn't going to win you any GPPs. It would have to be an absolute outlier performance for any Bolickles to make my player pool. And I wouldn't recommend it for anyone else, despite the fact he'll probably be into the twenties in potential ownership this week, just because people play in the matchup and seeing the salaries lower on some of his receivers. I think if we go Mm -hmm. into running backs again, the decisions are fairly easy to make this week. Butler is going to be the top projected running back, just like Rourke is at quarterback. He had 47 fantasy points versus Edmonton in week one with four touchdowns, but $11,000 for a running back is a pretty tough salary to swallow with some of the values that are available in other spots. The Edmonton defense, again, is the second worst versus the run in the league, only second to Ottawa. The game script should certainly be in Butler's favor to get a lot of carries in the second half and dump off passes like he usually does. It's just going to be a matter mm-hmm. of whether he's actually worth the $11,000 salary. Calgary running back is kind of the big question mark going into this week and the big play to take note of, because as we have been doing the entire episode, Ottawa, not good at football. So if Kadeem <laughs> Carey plays just over $10,000 salary, he's got the best matchup to exploit as Ottawa is the worst rush defense in the league. Carey, though, hasn't practiced all week as he has pulled a hammy, mm-hmm. and that has left Peyton Logan taking all the first team reps. And Peyton Logan 
just half the salary of Kadeem Carey at over just around 5K. So if Logan gets the full run at 5K and doesn't have to split with anybody, he's pretty much a lock at this point, given his workload, given his salary, and given the matchup. It's tough to expect that he doesn't hit at least 2 or 3x value and certainly has the potential to hit 5 or 6 if he hits 25 or 30 points, which you expect certainly Kadeem Carey would be capable of in a game like this. So that's a depth chart to keep an eye on, an injury spot to keep an eye on that should be out by lock tomorrow. Uh, There's no other running back that projects for even 2x value on this slate, given their salaries and given the splits and the workloads on all these other teams. So they're pretty much a total fade for me. The only real punt available is Tavian Feaster on the roster for the first time for Montreal this week, who will likely see some work at just 2,500. Any part-time Montreal running back versus Winnipeg, though, seems like it's probably a pretty desperate play. I like Feaster a lot as a player. I think he's got a lot of talent as a receiver and running back who's got enough power that he could be the goal line back there. But we already know that Dominic Davis is the de facto goal line back in Montreal, and that's not going to be changing. That's just the way that they run the system. So Feaster... If you are looking for an absolute flyer in a couple of lineups where you need a bare minimum salary and don't want to pay up for either running back and just want to be the contrarian and fade Carey or fade Logan, Tavian Feaster, 2,500, that is your, it's probably a stupid play, but it's an option. (laughs) Um, You'll sprinkle it it in there is what you're saying. Yeah. Like, if you want to get crazy, go all in. It's kind of sad. The biggest tournament is now 21 entries on DraftKings for the $10 this week, down from 35 but NFL preseason starts this week. So uh, this is yeah. the nature of CFL DFS on DraftKings. Um, moving on to wide receiver, with Ellingson continuing to be out for Winnipeg, Dalton Schoen has been an absolute monster over the last month, averaging 28 fantasy points in three of his last four games. Montreal is a little bit tougher than average matchup, but his workload, his efficiency are pretty exceptional. Um, he's the top projected receiver around 17 points this week. Malik Henry is pretty close second. He gets the benefit of facing Ottawa as opposed to Montreal. And the heat might be off of his projected ownership a little bit as well after two straight down weeks following his pair of 30-point outings. Henry, though, we know Bo loves to feed his third and fourth receivers because he wants to keep his best players humble. So I wouldn't expect Bagleton or Kamar Jordan to get nearly as many targets as Malik Henry, and Henry becomes a pretty interesting option at 7K at that result. Jordan and Bageltown will likely be single-digit owned despite the fantastic matchup, um, given their salaries in the 8 and 9K range, and they become interesting GPP flyers for a little bit of a sprinkle in your lineups. Um, despite the Edmonton matchup, there are not any of the BC wide receivers in the top five as the targets are just too spread out amongst all of them. Um, we have the potential Mm. return of Brian Burnham this week, which makes things even more complicated as they have three of their five starting wide receivers over 9k in salary and Hatcher close to 11. And then they have Katoy and Hatcher in the 5k range. Sorry, I meant Lucky Whitehead is in the 11k range. Anyways, Hatcher might be the most hurt by Burnham's return as he'll likely get kicked back out to the field side wide receiver spot where he started the season instead of the inside slot where he's been playing for the past month. Um, I would expect Katoy Hatcher double stacks with Rourke maybe really popular options this week due to their salaries in the 5k range and given that they both had nearly 20 fantasy points versus Saskatchewan a week ago 
It's also pretty hard to see more than one of Lucky or Rhymes or Burnham making the winning lineup, given that all their salaries are over nine or 10K. I can't see mm-hmm. two of those guys making it. Um, you can probably add Butler into that mix too. I don't see two of Butler, Lucky, Rhymes, and Burnham making a winning lineup just because salary gets too tight. So it'll be interesting. If you yeah. can find a way that you want to punt three positions and have two of those guys along with one of Katoy and Hatcher for a BC triple, like, be my guest. I just think it's probably a pretty thin play. Uh, the other big wide receiver ones in the pool, including Gino, Lawler, and Acklin, are all in play in the top five of projections. But over 10K salary, there's going to be decisions to be made as there's only so much salary to go around. So if you're going the expensive route at running back or quarterback, you're going to have to be pretty aware of what you're doing, trying to fit in any of those top wide receiver priced options. Uh, The other top end wide receiver worth considering is Dunbar. He is priced a couple thousand lower, just over 8K. He's had five receptions and a touchdown in East of his last two games and faces a Toronto defense who are the bottom half of defense versus the pass in the league. So again, that's a pretty solid option looking at Dunbar. On the value end of the spectrum, Janarian Grant has been my absolute nemesis over the last three weeks. He has got out Mm. of this world well into double-digit points projections considering he's been starting at slot back. He gets a couple of berries a game out of the backfield. He gets full return work on kicks and punts, and he is just $3,000. However, the past (laughs) two weeks, he has still managed single digit low fantasy production despite all the opportunity he still projects 13 14 points and the math isn't wrong it's just been unbelievably bad production from him given the opportunity so um, you're welcome to go the generian grant route given that he is still starting at receiver and getting all that return work but there is certainly a floor there in the low single digits ryan davis is similarly priced for ottawa and he has a lot better receiving upside He lacks a special teams work, but he's certainly a home run hitter as a receiver, and he certainly had the opportunity. It's going to be the matter, to some extent, picking your poison between the two, whether you want Caleb Evans throwing passes to your punt play or whether you want your punt play actually returning punts. Um, Cam Phillips (laughs) at 3,600. Or Lamar Durant at 3,200 are also both punt options. Durant had zero points in his first return to action for Hamilton this year. Um, So beware what you're getting yourself into. But I think probably those four guys in the 3K range are going to be the best salary relief options on the slate. Uh, Defense special teams, there's not a ton to be in love with this week, but there are certainly a few options to consider. The Bombers are the top-tier option at 5,200 with their defensive line likely healthy again, but Montreal hasn't been a huge source of sacks or turnovers to this point for opposing defenses. They likely have the best upside, but also will likely come with the highest projected ownership of any defensive option on the slate because of their history. Um, BC has similar upside to Winnipeg and a similar price tag, And frankly, like I mentioned earlier, Taylor Cornelius has been fairly turnover prone in his CFL days, despite the fact the last couple of games he has pulled that back together a little bit more. Um, Mm -hmm. I probably like BC as a better tournament play. 
If you're playing cash, Winnipeg is probably the safer option. On the cheaper end of mm. the spectrum, Toronto has had double-digit fantasy points in three of their last four games before last week, inexplicably laying an egg versus Ottawa, and they are only 4,200 as opposed to 5K or 5,200 like those other two options. They get a very turnover and sack-prone Hamilton QB spot, whether it's Schiltz or Evans to face and the combination of the two. That said, they only got three fantasy points last week versus Caleb Evans. So, yeah, Toronto not good at football. Um, I think that's probably <laughs> most of what I'm going to be looking at at the defense special team side of things this week. You can go with the Hamilton route as they're going to be facing Toronto. They haven't shown nearly the upside as some of the other options out there, um, but they do have the best salary relief option on the slate as well. Right. Yeah, I I have to th- say that we haven't talked much about Timmy the intern this year. Maybe he's starting to figure things out and um, starting to adjust salaries as needed, kind of thing. But uh, like it, I don't. To me, it's fun that there's some thought that has to go in, and some dis- hard decisions that have to be made because of the salaries. Yeah, I think a lot of it is going to come to bear on what happens at Calgary running back. If Peyton Logan gets the yeah. start, there's salary for everybody, and he's not going to be a mystery. Everybody will be playing Peyton Logan. It's a great matchup. It's a great salary. You can play whoever you want if Peyton Logan starts. If Kadeem Carey is yeah. starting at 10-6, you are going to have some real hard decisions to make as far as where you're going to be saving salary and where you're going to be spending up for because all the top players, all the top options are all 10K plus this week. There is nobody who is inexplicably cheap and none of the defenses are priced silly low. It's fairly efficient pricing this week. It's just going to be a matter of Mm -hmm. what injuries provide for us as far as opportunities, whether it's Logan or whether it's Kerry and Calgary. Now, and and one thing, just trying to figure out, you know, if guys want to go the Rourke route and spend the 12-5, it's hard to do the, the double stacks. Like, are you? Would this be a week where maybe you stay away from the BC wide receivers just because there's not the value there, or do you try and still like shoehorn in there a, a double stack of some kind? Like I said, probably that <clears throat> Katoy Hatcher double stack, given they're both in the five K range, is quite fittable as far as building a tournament lineup around it. It's also likely to be the most popular BC build I would expect, given that they're oh, co- both yeah. coming off pretty solid weeks of production it's just going to be the matter of if you are building around those three players you're going to have to find a way to get unique somewhere else it's again much smaller tournaments than it was so you don't have to hit the nuts on everything you don't need a perfect lineup to place first at this point you just need good production but i would expect probably that rourke katoy hatcher trio to be the most popular stack of the week followed by the Caleb Evans, Jalen Ackland stack, probably a double stack with Ryan Davis, given how well Evans has produced and given how well Ackland has produced over the last month. Ackland has been in over 20 fantasy points every start since Caleb Evans took over. He's been getting peppered with nine plus targets a game. He's producing well. He's catching touchdowns. It's been quite something to watch how well they have absolutely peppered him with targets since Evans took over. So I think probably those two double stacks are likely to make up, I don't know, a quarter of all lineups 
and that's not a stretch, maybe mm-hmm. a third of all lineups as what people are going to start building with. And if you're looking at Winnipeg, yeah. again, people probably are going to build around the Dembski, Schoen, and Kolaros double stack, given how big Dembski and Schoen played last week. Recency bias is still a really big thing in CFL contests, right? And if it's all fittable, especially if Peyton Logan becomes a starting running back, those three double stacks are likely to make up the majority of lineups this week in tournaments. So if you're going with one of those builds to start with, you're certainly going to have to find places to get a little bit unique elsewhere because the punts are fairly obvious too. Um, don't get crazy because like people are playing <laughs> Nate Behar. You don't, don't be one of those guys playing <laughs> Nate Behar. Don't be one of those guys yeah. playing Luther Hakuna Van who don't play Richie Sindani at 5,800. And you know what? That means they're all three going to score touchdowns this week just for spite. That's been 2022. But it's... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. So be smart, play good lineups, build around the best players, and then just find unique and interesting places to get a little bit unique off of those three main builds so that you've got a chance to get to the top. Yeah. That is very true. Yeah, I think it's going to be a fun week on DraftKings, uh, building lineups and seeing who comes out on top uh, for sure. So, um, Well, you did it, Ben. You got through the show. There was no uh, big hacking, coughing segment. Um, I'm proud of you. I did did not cough into a hot mic. You're welcome, everyone. (laughs) Yeah. Our listeners are very thankful for that for sure. So. Um, well, I think that's it for week nine. Um, we're excited to be back and, uh, thanks so much for all those that reached out, especially, I think, uh, thank you to those guys that reached out, uh, passing on your best wishes, get well soon to Ben. So Ben, I hope that you felt that. Much love, peace, love, (laughs) all these things, I guess. All the good things. Except to Danny Austin. Awesome. Danny Austin can take right off. Yep, absolutely. Well, that's it, everybody. Thanks so much for again for listening. Make sure to subscribe, uh, like, rate um, this podcast. That definitely helps us out. Make sure to head over to Prize Picks. Use that uh, sign up bonus code of Ben Yaman. Get a hundred percent bonus entry uh, when you sign up over there. And uh, yeah, be sure to connect with us on Twitter. You can find Ben at Ben Yaman. You can find me at Loves Guitar, and you can find the show at Plays in Action. All right, everybody, have a great week nine. I hope you win some money and have a little fun along the way. 